I just have a quick note to our regular listeners. We will be taking a one-week hiatus over this winter break for the simple fact that I have a child and I can't work on this podcast when she's not in school. So everybody uh, miss us next week. Uh, We'll return in 2020 on Monday with a new episode like we always do. Welcome to Strange Bedfellows Podcast, where no question is too dark, no topic too taboo. Join us to explore sexuality, self-help, and politics with our expert guests and friends. We believe that sexual rights are human rights and that we can all create a brighter world through education and conversation. I am a parent, I am a certified holistic sex educator, I am a longtime sex worker and adult industry entertainer. My name is Elle Stanger and I'm a host of Strange Bedfellows Podcast. My name's John. You might know me as the audio engineer and editor of last season's podcast. I'm now returning as a co-host for season two. I'm a 22-year-old gay man and activist will share my perspective in the coming season. Join us while we explore and uncover the things that make us squirm, make us shiver, make us tingle in delight. Because sex and politics can make for some very strange bedfellows. Our guest today is PopMobPDX. They describe themselves as a, quote, group of concerned Portlanders united around a single common goal to inspire people to show up and resist the alt-right with whimsy and creativity. Their website, popmobpdx.com, says, we are activists and organizers from many groups, including labor rights, arts, education, healthcare, and more. We believe that the people of Oregon don't want what the alt-right is selling, and we know we can push back against hate as one strong community. Uh, John, you and I, we went to a bunch of protests last year in Portland and I witnessed Pop Mob's efforts uh, most recently. I remember thinking, oh, that's really nice. They brought vegan milkshakes for everybody. And then some of us recall how that turned out. Um, I mean, it turned out fine over here, but yeah, the news went wild. So we'll talk about that later. Um, So we've witnessed your efforts um, against neo-Nazis, specifically local to this area, Patriot Prayer. And then proud boy groups that invade the city much more now that Trump is in office. Uh, Because we know that human rights and sexual rights and civil rights are connected, we are so thrilled to have these everyday anti-fascist activists here on Strange Bedfellows to talk about politics and sex and self-help. Pop Mob is available for contact. Info at popmobpdx.com. Aya, hello. Hi. Hi. Aya, what are your pronouns? My pronouns are she, her. Awesome. Effie, welcome. Hello. What are your pronouns? I use they, them pronouns. Awesome. I'm she, they. John, you're he, right? Yes. Uh, Yeah. So how did Pop Mob form? What year? So we originally formed following the um, June 30th of 27, no, 2018, um, the big protests that happened downtown that ended up turning into a pretty violent um event that was later like you know the police called it a riot although we can get into the intricacies of that later but um it was the one where um a bunch of proud boys showed up and ethan nordine um had that viral video of him knocking out one of our demonstrators and um it was basically just a whole lot of violence because there was less of us um for the first time in a while than there was of them and so a group of us kind of got together after that and 
Uh, at this point, Joey Gibson had already announced his next event, which was during his um, joke of a Senate run. He was having his campaign rally on August 4th. And um, although why you campaign in a state that you're not running in is um, up to you to decide. But so we decided that we were going to try to um, mobilize a lot more people to come out for that August 4th event. And uh, we had seen in Boston after Unite the Right, there was a group of white supremacists that tried to hold a rally and 40,000 Bostonians showed up and they did not try to organize anything in Boston again, actually until they tried that straight pride bullshit this year. And there were two so, guys that showed up, right? For the Yeah, well, pride. that was the one in, <laughs> I think that was the one in Texas where only two oh, people that's showed up. Right. The one in Boston did end up being like a bit of a brouhaha. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the, like 40,000 people showing up and drowning out like the handful of white supremacists that showed up um, back in 2017 was kind of the inspiration for popular mobilization, um, Pop Mob for short. And so, um, and so August 4th of that year was our first action. Wow. So you folks are relatively new, like yeah. real fast. Okay. Yeah. And also, doesn't it just drive you nuts when folks on the internet are like, just ignore them, just ignore the white supremacists <laughs> and they'll go away. Yeah. You're yes. giving them an audience. Because no, what you said, you're like 40,000 people showed up to combat like who knows however many they had even if they had 200 people the amount of white nationalists that we get in portland could be between six and like 50 or more unfortunately on august 17th of this year we had about 300 and that was but that was the biggest one so even that was pretty big compared to 40,000, can you imagine how much that would outnumber you know and like shut Mm -hmm. that shit down is what i'm saying Mm -hmm. we can't ignore it yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah, and their events really range because that August 4th event they had a lot of people at as well, our very first event. Mm. Um, and it really kind of depends on who is actually planning and organizing in the event and um, also what the kind of um, pretense of the event is. The yeah. different uh, side characters, as it were, have less of a pull, like Haley Adams. Okay, so um, so let's give example. There was the uh, what was the don't blame men for rape one. The him to the him to that one. was November seventeenth. Yeah. yeah, and of I twenty eighteen that one. Yeah. Um, okay, so you mentioned before, and just if folks aren't local or they don't really read the news, if you listen to this show, you've heard me mention who Joey Gibson is. But so he's the guy behind Patriot Prayer. I looked him in the eyes once, and he was like. I'm not racist. Yeah, that's his favorite. Yeah, that's his favorite. He's like, I'm I'm not even completely white. I yep. can't be racist. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, not how that works. Real briefly, the police, Portland police tweeted that you folks had put what now? Cement, quick dry cement in the milkshakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why did you bring the vegan milkshakes in the first place? <laughs> well, we um, were trying to come up with a theme for that action and it happened to be the 50th anniversary of the stonewall riots and Mm. we decided to have a big queer dance party and the way our creative process works we have like a little like media slash creative event planning working group and we really just popcorn off of each other it's like one of us will have an idea and then the other person will add to it and it really just kind of like grows in this really amazing creative and organic way and so somehow it went from like queer dance party to like milkshakes to my boyfriend or my <laughs> milkshake rings all the boys in the yard and like it just kind of went from there and then we're like what happened if we were to actually serve milkshakes which that. at first was a joke and then decided to do it anyway yeah one of our one of our people specifically said she was like let's serve a thousand milkshakes and I remember looking at her and thinking that's not reasonable that's not a reasonable goal and she was like let's do it 
Oh my gosh. How yeah. many did you serve? 750. Oh my gosh. Yep. Oh my gosh. And that was nice because a lot of people who show up to protest, they don't bring nutrition. They don't really think about it. They really don't. They really don't. Yeah. We'll talk about that later too. Um, I have so many questions and I'm like don't know if we're going to get to all of them. Where can people find you if they want to catch up? What's your social media real quick? All of our social media tags are PopMobPDX. Okay, that's easy. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we're launching a TikTok. Okay. A TikTok, really? Yeah. A TikTok. You... Interesting. Yep. What kind of videos are you guys going to make? All kinds. Yes. Are you going to show your faces? Because is there any privacy or safety concerns? They will probably be We will blocked. not be showing faces. Yeah. That no. makes sense. How is that with like safety and stuff? I know sometimes at rallies, they prefer that people like don't um, don't film so that like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the people's like privacy is protected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although it's kind of unavoidable since everybody is filming anyway. Like comrades generally will blur out. Um, our faces or each other's faces they know yep. better but obviously the fash are all out there and you have you know folks like Andy and um, other Andy? quote unquote journalists the, Andy No and other the, like right. quote unquote journalists self-identified journalists out there filming so getting filmed oh. at events is kind of unavoidable for a long isn't time isn't that the guy who like baits people into like yes yes he is a provocateur yeah he said he got attacked but he was running around calling people faggots and such pardon and, my language we well, use all yeah. the slurs on the show if we feel we need to he is um he is an interesting character he's been around for a long time he's been basically gunning for something like that to happen for a while um <laughs> yeah. i actually have images of him from prior events trying to do similar things um that yeah. was just the time he was finally successful hmm. yeah. so so safety wise and real quick for folks who don't understand because so the first time i'll admit i think it was the august 17th 2018 protests where there was a woman who was tackled by the cops and then arrested and I witnessed Mm -hmm. that. Um, And I live streamed a shitload of that event and it wasn't until people told me later, like you don't want to show folks faces in case the fascists will find them online and dox them and share Mm -hmm. their personal information. So that makes sense to me. However, I have to say the benefits of that live stream was people all around the country and the world were like, Oh my God, look Mm -hmm. at what the police are doing it looks like a war zone. Get the fuck out of there. And that was the one yeah. where that guy got shot in the back of the head with the grenade. Well, he was actually wearing a bike helmet. A bike helmet. Okay. But it was very lucky that he was wearing it. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, okay. So do you worry about your visibility around enemies or is that a challenge of your work? Hugely so. Yes. And so we have um, largely avoided doing like on-camera interviews or letting our photos be included with any of the interviews we do. And I've worked tried to keep my name and my face like separate so that like you know if people see me at events they don't necessarily know that I'm Effie but Mm -hmm. um that lasted for almost a year and a half (laughs) and I have now been identified but it lasted for a good long time huh uh yeah I have some issues too I'm always paranoid like I don't even oh god my poor partner like it was date night last night we're driving around town and I was like no roll the window only a third down I don't want the window down all the way because people can see in the car and they know what I look like and I don't want anyone to know what I drive yeah my Mm -hmm. license plate yep yep that is real shit yeah Yeah, we deal with a lot of that (sighs) so um let's on the flip side what are some of the what are some of the benefits? Like, why do you do what you do? What are, There's got to be positives, right? So you keep doing it. Given the way the world is right now, and for me in particular, being a queer person and seeing so much violence against my community and so much hate, I am driven to 
get up in the morning and do something about it. And that's what gives me the ability to continue on and have a regular job and do all the regular life things amidst the world the way it is. Mm -hmm. I need that sense that I'm making something a little tiny bit better. Effie, what about you? Um, similar. I, uh, I had a conversation with somebody recently who said that they can't go to events and can't do like organizing stuff because it gives them too much anxiety. And I am the flip side. I have to be involved. Otherwise <laughs> I have anxiety. Like I have to know that I'm doing something. I'm also a control freak. So I have to know that I'm like in there and I know what's happening. And, um, and so I'm also somebody who stays super hyper, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, informed. So mm-hmm. just like abs- insanely consuming, um, like all of the, up to date like who's who of the local fashion like I want to know who all the players are and how they're all connected and Mm -hmm. so for me a lot of it is just I feel more comfortable if I have all of the information Mm -hmm. and the best way to be kind of like in the middle of things or have all the information is to be like smack dab in the middle of things and organizing and doing my own research you seem very personally activated which is great because you are activists so right um has has Pop Mop always been the the same, or has it kind of changed in uh, like in its iterations over time? I'd say we evolved a little bit and sharpened yeah. our we yeah. We grew up a little bit. We kind mm-hmm. of settled into our identity in only yeah. a year and a half. Yeah. I know it's been it a really so intense year and a half. It has. Yeah, I believe you. That's cool. So we're all white here, but. I, I hope for always more activists of color, but it's also, it's a very white city. Yep. So mm-hmm. I guess as fellow white people, how can not just white people, but how could people who aren't queer, how can they assist in queer or like do-it-yourself activism? Because what I saw, I want to say, um, oh God, which protest was it? I think it was the hymn too, with the truck, with the rented truck in the intersection and the dance party. It oh, was. It was, the, it was that was the August August 4th. Um, 4th had it first and then the milkshake had it again. Okay, yeah. so I was a little stressed because I was in the crowd and I was like, oh my God, there's so much of Portland out. But like I see very visibly queer people like at the center of the protest mm-hmm. and this is so fucking dangerous. They shouldn't be the ones that are doing this. Yeah. We're some like most of the people doing it. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that's the reality of it is yeah. that the people who are affected are often the first people who feel like they have to show up because they have the most to lose. They have the most to lose. We're the most affected. And um, that's one of the things that I talk about a lot when people, you know, uh, on Facebook or social media or whatever, family members will say things like, oh, well, I just can't pay attention to politics. It's too depressing. Or Mm -hmm. I just, I can't even log into my Facebook anymore because I just don't want to see all of that. And I'm like, that's a really lovely bit of privilege that you have there that you get to just ignore it and that you get to live in a world where um, it doesn't affect you if you just turn your social media off because for a lot of us it's our day-to-day lives and so we have to be out there organizing because it literally is our own survival Mm -hmm. so for people that um, are not part of a group that might be targeted um, but want to get involved or want to be allies I always say the ally is a verb and um, not uh, just a noun. So be an accomplice, like actually help us come out and do stuff. Um, don't just like share that link on the Facebook. Can people donate money to you folks? Oh all? yes. We okay. have a donation page. Okay. What's website. your donation? It's on the website. It's on the website. Okay. Popmobpdx.com. Yep. Um, yeah, I had a lovely, um, dinner date with a, I wouldn't even say it was like sexually relevant, but I'll just say like a sex work client, you know? Um, and he paid me 
300 like percent tip of just like the time to sit down with him. And I was like, what do you do for a living? He's like, I don't really have to work. And I'm like, okay, this is a perfect example. If you have money, like funnel it to people who are doing good stuff, you know, or sex workers. And like, that's what he does. If you are a white guy or whoever with cash and you're like, I don't want to log in. It's stressful. Okay. People are doing that shit for you and going out into the streets for you. Send them money. Mm Mm-hmm. They need tools. Like, again, we can't provide a thousand, you know, milkshakes. Well, if you have more money, you can provide all kinds of things. Yeah. And we couldn't do any of our events without donations. We run off of donations. It's the only way we can do things like buy a thousand milkshakes Mm -hmm. worth of ice cream and coconut milk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And, And not just that, but like what's some other stuff that you folks do in terms of of activism? Like it's not milkshakes all the time ever. Well, I mean, the... A lot of the costs associated with our events are also things like renting the PA and um, renting the U-Haul truck that had the speakers in it. And the people dancing. And also we use that money for people's legal um, costs if they need after people are arrested. So Mm -hmm. we definitely give money to activists that are affected by state repression, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's direct legal costs or whether it's for um, Mm self-care in like the experiences and trauma of being targeted by police and mm-hmm. police violence. So um, while we use that money to throw our events, we also use that money to support um, activists that are directly affected mm-hmm. um, in ways that we all in that community are kind of affected. And we have we also use it to do things like buy our stickers that we give out. And yep. mm-hmm. um, yeah, everything costs money. Printing costs money. Yeah. Supplies. Yep. Yeah. For activists like website. Yeah. We need supplies and money buys supplies. <laughs> Does Pop Mop have any challenges with getting people to organize outside of showing up to to protests? Because I've I've like helped out with like a couple events um, at like college, like college political clubs. Um, and often it's hard to get people to, to come to like club meetings or to organize or to help pass legislation because um, a lot of people will show up to to events, um, but they won't show up to, to like actual meetings or or, or people to... like repost memes and be like outraged. Like I reposted so many memes today. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that's part of why Pop Mob exists is to get that's actually a huge part of why pop bombs exists to get people out and so we do a lot of work to make sure all of our events are really fun and engaging and that's why we do things like give out a lot of food and create a big dance party but other than that most of our work i mean occasionally we have uh panels and other like smaller uh events but for the most part we organize ourselves we're a pretty small group we create all of the online work that we do and all the interviews and stuff. And then we create these every once in a while, thankfully lately it's been every once in a while, big events. So Mm -hmm. we don't have a lot in between for Mm -hmm. people to, that requires a lot of engagement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. You make it easy for them. Uh, So let's take a break and we'll come back with some listener questions about sex and self-care. Yes. (laughs) Rax is the first native app designed by and for sex workers. With unique features like a social feed, club reviews, income tracking, and event calendars, use it to grow your business at the touch of a button. For more information on racks and more events, in-depth courses, and free content for adult entertainers, visit www.racks2riches.com. R-A-C-K-S to riches.com. And just for Strange Bedfellows listeners, use discount code SBP at checkout for 10% off any educational products. Attention service and sex industry workers. 
Seeking Space Yoga is dedicated to providing holistic options that work with your schedule. Our Sin Yin classes are meant to help you wind down, reset, and improve overall health. Need a little motivation? The first Sin Yin class is free to new members, and we offer discounts on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the app to check out all of our industry-friendly class times. Welcome back to Strange Bedfellows, your favorite politics, self-help, and sex podcast. We're here today with Pop Mob. If you could review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, that would be awesome because it always helps. We're today mm-hmm. here with Pop Mob talking about activism, Portland, and uh, politics in general. Yep. Thank you, John. And I didn't get to ask this before our break, but how do you folks feel about um, decriminalization of consensual adult sex work versus legalization of consensual adult sex work? Do you have a preferred or is it something you've thought about at all? Because I know which one I like. <laughs> Effie, yes. you're laughing. Because um, I definitely have a preferred. I am definitely somebody who um, is pro-decriminalization, um, not legalization, because the last thing we need is more government in our lives. Um, I, uh, one of the things that makes me laugh all the time is people who call us liberals, because I'm definitely not a liberal. Um, and my... Um, Political leanings are definitely a lot more further left to where I don't want the state regulating any portion of my life or having any more Mm -hmm. um, interaction in my life than necessary. And that um, having state control over the ways that people decide to autonomously survive under capitalism is um, the last thing we need. So decriminalize it. It should not be a crime for people to consensually engage in whatever they want to do with their bodies. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine when folks are like, oh, if we had legalization, we could have regulation, like regular testing. I'm like, oh, let's imagine a model where the government tells sex workers that they have to spread their legs open. Mm-hmm. Right. No fucking thank you. Yeah. Right. Because that shit has happened before. Do you know about mm-hmm. the American plan between the 1910s and the 1970s? It was implemented. It was basically it gave local cops the free to arrest anyone suspected of of transmitting STIs so women would be arrested and then forcibly tested and then released after they cleared no yeah Yeah. that was a thing so similar to uh, La Operacion when they in Puerto Rico when they sterilized a bunch of women and tested birth control on them Mm -hmm. right so less regulations the better Mm -hmm. just decriminalize it so you can't arrest people so workers rights over their own lives and bodies yeah so on that note let's do listener questions i'm 31 years old and i've never had sex i don't want to be a virgin forever i'd like to see a professional but i don't know how to go about that do you have any suggestions for a lonely guy on how to find someone See, this is the part where I would be like, oh, I yeah. wish that I wish that I could refer you to someone. Um, Sister and Foster have definitely made it more difficult. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, so before Foster and Sesta shut down things like Craigslist Personals Back and Backpage, page. there's mm-hmm. still um, I don't. John, you might know this. Does Reddit have maybe Reddit has any pages where people can no. post? No. They took most of them down. I know that the sugar daddy, sugar baby part is still active, but most of the other ones are gone. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people. I get this question a lot. I get this also from people who are as young as 21 and they're like, I really like I'm so stressed out. I'm like, you you have plenty of time. <laughs> but like the desire to be touched. Yeah, is legitimate. Um, 
obviously we don't know this person's um, financial standing, but if they're looking for a professional, then it would imply that they are intending to exchange money. And there are some sites like seeking arrangements or um, things like that, where there are, you know, people that are looking for money and they are, you know, it's kind of that gray area of, uh, Mm-hmm. legalization or decriminalization as it were um mm-hmm. where it's pretty overt what the actual terms are mm-hmm. um so it's one of the few areas that have not been completely destroyed yeah and it's i wish we could give you better advice but i kind of i included this one here to highlight like really the lack of tools we have mm-hmm. for this stuff would you um, say that um at least in the meantime they can go to like a legal provider like a, a stripper and um, so he could go to a strip club or something and maybe like politely ask if they have any resources they would recommend without like directly asking, like, you know, I, I, I want to comment. I definitely want to comment on that. Effie, Aya, do you have any thoughts on on approaching yeah. people while they're working? So not not for them, like, can I sleep with you, but more paying them for their services as a stripper and then asking them afterwards if they have resources for you. Because this happens to me all the time. What is your general response? Um, yeah. Okay. So in Portland, I know that the police don't actively pursue full service sex workers. I am told from them that they pursue pimps, um, underage, not to arrest, but for rescue shit. And then clients to which I was like, why are you arresting my clients? Right. Don't pursue John's. But as a provider, I feel comfortable that I can say to someone, I don't provide this here in this venue, but I can refer you to people who do because I do have friends. But in other parts of the country, that's a pandering charge right mm-hmm. there. I'm not supposed to be able to tell you where to go. So it, it's really scary. And it is the Wild West for someone asking. I also knew a stripper who thought it was really funny. And this was her own horophobia ship because she's like, I'm a stripper. I'm not a whore. <laughs> but she would say to the client when she was asked, um, and I worked with this lady for a couple of years, and I'm so glad she didn't raise me. Um, to think this way but she'd be like oh yeah go talk to the bouncer and he can set that up for you and then the guy gets kicked out and like horribly embarrassed Mm, that's mean right so but what i've had done recently right Mm -hmm. i have i have given language to people so i will i will say if you feel like brave enough or in a safe enough geographic space where you can ask around i will say you can ask the provider you know thank you so much for your service I'm interested in something more full service. Do you have anyone you can refer me to, you know, and I'll tip you for that. Um, and I've had clients, men clients so far, only men, um, cause I interact more with them, tell me that that has worked. Um, I had a guy recently, he was like, thank you for suggesting the language to use when I interacted with a stripper. It worked out. Great. Like, okay, cool. But it's like, I feel bad saying that that'll work everywhere, but it has worked for some people. And I just want to reiterate your tipping. Um, yeah, and you're and you're paying tip. Yeah, <laughs> for the information. Yeah, again. please don't go up to someone working and be like, "Where can you send me to the other place?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Any other comment on that? Well, I think that it just also kind of highlights some of the other um, side effects of FOSTA SESTA, which is that it has now made it also a lot more dangerous um, for the people who are doing the work mm-hmm. because. The one thing that like one of the things that the Internet offered was um, a safer way to find clients. And so a lot of people have then had to go back to less safe ways, which Mm -hmm. is um, 
an interesting side effect of something that was supposedly supposed to protect people. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that Rep, uh, Rep Ro Khanna out of California is calling for a review of the impacts of Fausta and Sesta? No. Oh. I once wrote a hit piece about uh, that guy. But to be fair, I also wrote a hit piece about his like opponent. So <laughs> <laughs> I did while I, was at a, while I was at Danza College in, uh, oh, in the Bay Area. Because he's. it turns out that Ro Khanna, he ran on like the platform that he... Uh, he had no super PACs, but he had like individual personal contributions from like CEOs of tech companies that were like 70 <laughs> to 90 grand each. Whoa. Well, <laughs> yeah. hey, if it works out in this favor, I am okay with it. Yeah. Oh, it no, he's, he, it turns second. out he's better than the other guy. They're both like shit, but like he's less shit because um, the other guy was trying to like take bribes in like a legal way so it was, it was oh. great yeah okay well on december 2nd of 2019 he said he's calling for a bill that would call for a review of the impacts of Fausta and sesta that would be really cool especially like yeah. it sucks i remember i just remember the way craigslist was because i used to surf it a lot like every part of craigslist and i remember that the personal sections were actually kind of cool like it was yeah, like oh look you can like it's like a tap into your local like I don't know, town and like what the sex lives of like people are, which is kind of fun, like in a way. Mm-hmm. And it sucks mm-hmm. because like people were also listing on there. So like for providers, mm-hmm. when you have less visibility, you're you're not able to screen clients as well. Like you're not able to like, I don't know, it just, mm-hmm. and they, they've talked about those cases where people have actually been trafficked and then the way they were caught or like found again was because their pictures were posted online. And right. instead we're not having as much transparency as we can when it comes to sex work, whether it's legal or not, then it's just making a more dangerous situation for everyone. Right. Well, we heard from that lady who said that her sister had gotten into abusive relationship, hooked on heroin. Her boyfriend began, he was her pimp. They lost contact with her. And then they said they hired a private investigator who found her listing on, on Backpage and also could trace it to numerous men she had quote worked for. So they had documentation. And just as there was talk of finding a way to get to her, all Backpage page went down oh my god and she she overdosed on fentanyl a couple months later and died no so and this is worth mentioning the two guys who were charged with facilitating prostitution uh james larkin and michael lacy the owners of backpage they had been providing publishing resources for adult providers and queer people since the 70s starting Mm -hmm. in the village voice and not only had they assisted in um, testimonies and helping provide information to law enforcement about missing people and minors and runaways and people suspected of trafficking. They testified on what led to federal indictments of like a few pimps. They helped the whole time. So when the back page raid happened, and I don't know which one, but one of the guys, their 80 year old mother was pulled naked from the shower by agents Jesus. during the raid. Like what the fuck? So unnecessary. <sighs> All of it, all of it was just a horrible backstab. And they were never charged with um, trafficking, but only facilitating prostitution. So it was all a big fucking scam to which the media was like, we can pat ourselves on the back. We did a great job. Yeah. Um, okay, so next question. Street okay. protests look scary. Screaming and running and pushing in police. Do you have tips for vigilance or supplies to pack when going out? Yeah, we have quite a few. We could talk about this for hours, but... What's a good what's a good to go kit? A good to go kit would include things that are really obvious like sunscreen and water, but also things like goggles and an N95 mask if you're at all planning on being anywhere near the front line because pepper spray can drift quite a ways and you don't want that. 
lesser known things like uh, don't wear contacts if at all possible, wear your glasses if you need them, because if you do get pepper sprayed for any reason, you have to take your contacts out in order for the medics to properly flush your eyes. So that can be a really uncomfortable process. So it's better to just wear glasses. What about writing your phone number, contact phone numbers on your arm? People do that. That can be helpful, um, particularly if you have access to, if you show up at a protest and you find the people in the bright green hats, which are the National Lawyers Guild reps, they will have a number that you can write on your arm with Sharpie that is a jail support number. So if you do get arrested, you can call it. And that's a really important number to have on you at all times. I would also say in this age of cell phones where we don't have all of our friends and family's phone numbers memorized anymore. Yeah. Um, maybe writing somebody who's your point of contact on your body too because when my girlfriend was arrested last year she could not remember my cell phone number mm. oh that was and that was rough yeah. oh. and we didn't even know and no and my girlfriend's legal name is different than her name that she goes by so nobody knew when the legal name came out over the um oh jail support God. loop that it was my girlfriend yeah oh my we God. were sitting in jail support and um she walked out and we were all like wait we know this person oh my god it was yeah yeah Oof. I would also add protein, bring like snacks, uh, especially if you're out there for a long time. Um, oftentimes I have no appetite because adrenaline Same. definitely suppresses your appetite, but it's also like you don't want your blood sugar to crash because yep. sometimes a lot of what, I mean, I here can talk about medics, but I know that um, sometimes the things that people deal with are things like also like having low blood sugar um, yep. aside from this police violence. So things mm-hmm. like that to just kind of take care of yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say uh, as a medic, we see um, we see a lot of low blood sugar and dehydration and hypothermia. You're a medic? Um, yes, I'm a street oh. medic as well. Oh, I as a street medic, holy shit. All right. Yeah, we can, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can never just do one thing in this movement. <laughs> you have to have a million hats. Um, yes. So we see a lot of these same really preventable things over and over again. And it's so easy to forget to eat or forget to drink water or forget to bring sunscreen or good layers. But it's so, so important if because you're going to be out there probably longer than you think. Yeah. Yeah. I've been like, oh, I'll just go for an hour. And then I'm like, this is really compelling. And I yep. like need to be here. Yep. And like it's been three hours and I'll try to shove some fruit in my mouth during like a lull in the activity. Yep. Mm-hmm. I need this. Um. Okay, so moving on to the next question someone had, how do either or both all of you stay grounded and focused on your self-care? Let's go on Hmm. self-care. I would say as far as a pop mob answer, pop mob has this magical and it's not magical. We've worked really hard to cultivate it, but it feels magical sometimes way of. Uh, supporting each other and sort of taking over for each other. And we call it taking turns. We'll say like, I'm taking my turn right now, which is that I'm feeling the burnout. I'm feeling anxiety. We had a lot of that after Milkshake, obviously, with all the fallout there. Um, We didn't have much of a break between Milkshake and the spectacle. It was Mm. basically like Milkshake, fallout from Milkshake, dealing with that, planning the spectacle, spectacle, fallout from spectacle. Yeah. Yeah. So, or June 30th to August August. 17th and so uh, we do a lot of supporting each other and making sure we do uh, capacity check-ins and emotional check-ins at meetings we talk a lot with each other about our feelings and our lives outside of pop mob and how we're coping Mm, that's wonderful we're in touch all day every day yep do you have a group thread oh we have many group threads (laughs) yeah we have everybody on them and then several sub threads yeah that makes sense the second part of that question was how do you stay focused on your goals like the goals of pop mob or personal goals yeah. in our lives um, um ooh, that's if you could do a two-parter yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure so um the goals of pop mob it's one thing that's been an interesting thing is 
we are fortunate in Portland that there is so many people doing work here that we get to focus on just one thing. And so our goal as Pop Mob is a very narrow singular mission, which is just inspiring people to show up and oppose the far right. Um, I remember doing an interview with a podcast based out of the Midwest and um, it was early on like after our first action and the host had asked me like oh well now that like that happened are you guys going to get involved in like the police accountability process after that person was shot in the head and like doing this mutual aid work and I was like no like there's other people in the town that are already doing that work we're just going to focus on this one thing and he's like wow it must be really nice to be in a town where there's other people doing stuff we have like one org that does everything wow and so I remember thinking like we are really lucky that we get to just focus on this one goal we build a coalition of other groups that do other things and we Mm -hmm. find ways to support each other so we try to do what we're best at and then support everybody else who's doing all the other stuff well Mm -hmm. it's that whole it takes a village thing yeah actually the coalition is something that we're super proud of Um, And it's really come together the last few months. Um, And it's one of our goals from the beginning was to have a very broad based and diverse coalition, which in the beginning was not um, it was kind of slow to form. But we also had to like really kind of like build the trust and like prove ourselves. And um, and so that has like kind of come to fruition in this really beautiful way. The last few months where we really have built up this amazing coalition of organized other organizations and groups and um, individuals so good that's wonderful you have the help you deserve it um john do you have any questions or thoughts before we go to break um nothing i really wish that i knew what you said earlier you sounded like you were recalling something that amused you oh i i think it was something like there it is our first protest oh that's what it was it was our first protest and i didn't realize that like um i think i was like wearing a mask or something but it It was was your first protest not mine yeah yeah oh my god yeah but i mean like our first like together like together yes yeah yeah so i'm 10 years older than john and he's like a little brother to me and so when i was like okay baby's first protest let's go (laughs) and he had a a pretty conspicuous it's more like a it was more like a protest mask and not so much like um what we were actually there for which we were there to to try to like witness like as much without being noticed i feel like and to provide like support and aid to our allies Um, We weren't there to be like a spectacle necessarily, but that's really funny. You remember that, John. Oh, my God. I was like, um, we're walking down the street because you park far away or you get dropped off. Right. You don't show your vehicle to where you are. Because the only ones I'd been to before that were the November 5th ones in SF. Oh, yeah. And like everyone wore masks. And I was just like, okay, well, that's like how it is. Like people either wear like a cloth (laughs) mask or like a plastic mask. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's so funny you recall that. Um, yeah, we had some some good times. Um, and they tried to, like, block off the street. They're like, ma'am, oh, yeah, you can't go like, there. Oh, yeah, they, like, corralled us so much that day. That was, like... That's always... Yeah. Which day was that? Every day. Hey, friends, are you sick of razor burn? Have your nethers cleaned up by the pros at Netherlands Wax in Vancouver, Washington, where experienced owner estheticians have performed literally thousands of Brazilian waxes. Netherlands Wax is gender-neutral, sex-positive, trans- and queer-welcoming, kink-positive, and body-positive. We are just over the 205 Bridge in Vancouver, Washington. Worth the drive. Find us on Facebook, Yelp, or netherlandswax.com. Welcome back to Strange Bedfellows. You can check out popmobpdx.com if you want to learn more about our guests. 
Yeah. Helpful. And do you have individual social media accounts you want to share? We do, yeah. actually. Yeah. If you want to go first. Well, I was going to say, if you have additional questions, you can always tweet them at us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very active on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a Facebook page, although I will say we're a lot more responsive on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, have, I do have a personal Twitter as well. I do too now. So. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. are they? Mine is Aya the Laser Beam. And mine is Effie Bombs, which is a play on my last name. Oh my gosh. So Aya, spell yours real quick. A-Y-A. Okay. And then the rest of it is? The Laser Beam. The Laser Beam. Perfect. Just how you would think it was spelled. Awesome. And then Effie, B-O-M-B-S. Yep. Awesome. Like a bomb. <laughs> you are the bomb. I love it. Uh, so My name is Effie Baum, but people mispronounce my last name all the time. Yeah. Okay. I did that too. Yeah. I'm guilty of that. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so let's talk about, John's heard me talk about this before. We didn't include it in the other episodes because I didn't explain it well enough, but I wanted to bring it up here um, because it was a really recent and I think pretty impactful change to the bias crime laws in Portland. So apparently Oregon legislature had not reviewed or revisited the bias crime laws, like the definitions of them since when they were originally published in 1981. Yeah. So what happened since Trump got elected is a lot more queer people were getting jumped for being visibly queer. And it was especially when Patriot Prayer and Proud Boys would have their dickheads come from other states, especially or even just Vancouver, Washington, but Idaho, Montana, you see these big trucks going around town and it's like, watch out. Mm-hmm. Um, so they broadened them to include gender identity. I know that. And then they also increased the punishment for committing a hate crime. And now it is no longer that a bias crime um, is defined it required before two or more people acting in accordance with a common goal, which is thinking of like a group of, they were thinking on like a group of neo-Nazis. Totally. But it's not, you know, and proving intent from two more people is really hard um, unless they publicly state it before the crime, during or after. Like, I hate you because you're black and I'm going to hurt you. Like nobody, so they changed those. So now one person acting on their own and they include gender identity. So the first guy who was convicted after this was a 61-year-old white guy named Michael Amatulo who chased an 8- and a 14-year-old pair of black brothers with a knife, calling them all kinds of names. Um, what spurred the change to the bias crimes, um, the harsher penalties, was, I believe, the 2016 Larnell Bruce Jr. murder where a white supremacist ran him over in a parking lot in Gresham, which is near to Portland and it's in Multnomah County. So the killer, the guy who ran him down under the existing hate crime law, he only received a misdemeanor 18 month sentence. So his father at the time, this was in 2016, 2017, made a plea to legislators. He says, you have to increase the penalty for people convicted of bias crimes, hate crimes. So they did. The effects um, went into effect, I believe July or August of this year, 2019. And so, Michael Amatola was convicted under that. Um, so overall, how, how do we feel about these changes? I mean, I there's no reason they're bad, right? Well... What do you think? So this is a 
area where I probably will disagree. Please. So I am very much an abolitionist and I do not think that um, prison is um, ever the answer or um, in any kind of carceral system at all. So I am never going to be for harsher penalties or any kind of strengthening of our current injustice system. Um, I do believe in having protections for folks that are targeted um, in the sense of like legal protections, but I will never be supportive. Even when it is my like adversaries and the people that would come after me, I will never support a carceral system. Okay. No, that's good to hear from people. I Um, have a very similar view, which is that prison doesn't make people less racist mm -hmm. or bigoted. In fact, the data shows that it does quite the opposite. So prison isn't helping. Um, I do not believe that people should be able to chase children around with knives in any way, shape, or form for any reason. And I believe that we need to, as a culture, be very, very clear that bigotry is not acceptable and not okay. And some of those laws can do that from a cultural perspective. I think a lot of what we do is also that work. We talk a lot about how, you know, why do we show up the whole, like, ignoring them, they'll go away question from the beginning. Like, one of the big things that we as activists and anybody doing anti-fascist work does is raise the cost of participation. Mm-hmm. So if we as a community, yes. we as a society, we as a culture say that this is not acceptable and make that the absolute norm, then it will deter that behavior way more than a you know system like prisons, mm-hmm. um, which I have very rightly pointed out actually make it the problem worse Mm -hmm. um whereas if we are raising the cost of participation in the first place it is much more of a deterrent Mm, that's nice i like that um yeah those are wonderful wonderful points thank you for bringing them up uh related but let's take a turn to something slightly lighter i didn't expect to see this headline (laughs) obama said publicly shaming people on twitter is quote not activism If all you're doing is casting stones, you're probably not going to get that far, the former president said. This was October 30th of 2019. Um, So he was discussing the dangers of call-out culture, cautioning young people against the idea that activism, quote, is to be as judgmental as possible about others. I kind of, okay, I kind of loved aspects of this because in my sex worker community here, I see a lot of competition between strippers sex workers like competing for resources but what they're doing is they post call outs and like personal attacks on each other Mm -hmm. and i don't know if you experience this but it's kind of a huge problem because how do we know who's safe if every time someone hurt your feelings you claim abuse Mm -hmm. so i actually think that call out culture is incredibly toxic and let's go there i think there is a (laughs) i think there's a time and a place for calling people in um but it's devolved into this um kind of like who's more woke competition in a lot of ways. And a lot of times it is um, white quote allies doing performative activism where they are happy to um, do that uh, from the safety of anonymity and their computer and their home. But then they're not doing anything else in their lives to stand up and um, interrupt any of the oppressions that they are claiming to be fighting. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. But also... Being somebody who was raised to feel more submissive in social situations and to be more submissive, I think sometimes, usually it's lobbied by uh, cis white men on the internet who use that, like, let's cancel call out culture to keep people more quiet to mm-hmm. be like no no no, I'm correct you're just going into call out culture when it's like no six people here are saying that you're a misogynist so mm-hmm. I think they're probably right mm-hmm. 
I think there's like I was saying there is a time and a place and I am a big fan of the calling people in and so when yeah. I see somebody do something that is or say something that's really problematic the first my first go-to is not going to blast them publicly I usually yeah. send a dm and try to engage um in a really like uh assuming best intentions mm-hmm. way and then if they turn out to be a total piece of shit then Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a totally different and situation. It's mm-hmm. good to point out that Pop Mob also operates under that. We follow something called the St. Paul principles, and one of them is that we don't publicly thrash people who are on our side. If we disagree with something or we think something was harmful, we talk to them face to face. And that's part of why having a coalition has been so, so valuable is we have the chance to talk about tactics with each other in a friendly, cooperative way. Mm-hmm keeping everything internal to the movement because we have enough of people trying to tear us apart we don't need to do it ourselves yeah and we watch the right tear each other apart and it just it's really amusing for me outside yeah it's really funny for us (laughs) to watch but it hurts them you know they they hurt themselves by doing it so we don't want to make those mistakes yeah it's a it's a point that's been brought up a few times um to me from a few different people on like widely varying age groups but folks have said the republicans and the right will always win when they circle the wagons around their common interests. Meanwhile, liberals and leftists tend to engage in a lot of infighting and for like a competition of wokeness or clout. Mm -hmm. So what you said, um, Effie, I think this is, I think that was you that just said it, but you will send a DM first, Mm -hmm. which is like a really productive way to approach an issue but a lot of people don't care about that because they're like, well, no one can see me doing this. So it like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't get my cool points. Yeah. Sigh. Um, so I have a I wanted to get your feedback on this. And I also just kind of want to put this out into the world. So I am a person who attends a monthly meeting um, at the police station yeah. with members of the queer community. It's called the Alliance for Safer Communities. It started in the 90s between gay men and police. And it was the gay men that said, please stop arresting us, either cruising in the parks or just like existing or maybe doing sex work. Um, This is targeted harassment. So the idea was that the queer folks who could and also members of sexual minorities and kink groups could engage and say, this is how your practices or your directives are hurting people. I've talked to some cops who have been on ppb for 20 years and they're like i'm gay and as a gay officer things are a lot better than they were 20 years ago which is nice to hear um but it's a huge problem because the the meetings the asc it's still hosted at the cop station and i've only been going for like a year and a half and me going my point in going is like i don't have any arrest record i'm white Um, I'm a pretty public person. So I feel like if anything happens to me, I like can mouth off about it. Um, I feel, I feel safe going there. And also I went to school for criminology. I used to want to be a cop until I started doing sex work. And then I was like, Oh my God, this is a horrible system. And I've been lied to. And like everything I was told to believe about who the bad guys and the good guys are was wrong. Um, so it was a real, like come to Holy mother of God moment for me. And so that's when I pivoted into doing like advocacy and activism. I'm like, I have this knowledge from going through these schooling systems and being around these people. How can I inform them? So it feels really good for me to be at a table. And I started doing this where I'm like, I have done illegal sex work. And many of my friends have. And we do not report when we are abused or when people steal from us. Because why the fuck would we? And I get to say that to cops and federal agents. And it feels great. So that's using my privilege. Anyway, so what we would like to see is have these meetings not be hosted at the cop station because nobody wants to go there. Yep. And it's like, why would they? Why would they? 
But at the same time, it's difficult finding a venue that will host 40 or so people on the second Tuesday of every month <laughs> to have cops go there. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of we're at this impasse where there's such a huge distrust. And and it's like, obviously, because can yeah. I ask you a question? Yeah, please. So um, I'm going to be really uh, honest about my views, which is that all cops are bastards and I would never work with them in any way, shape or form. OK, well, I'm so, happy to have you. Thank you for being here. Um, I'm going to push back on this. The, the Do you think that these meetings, which you said have been happening since what, the 80s is that you said? Mid 90s. Mid 90s um, are actually going or have made any kind of change because my thinking is that all of that energy that's being put into an institution that is essentially built on oppression Mm -hmm. um, could be channeled into a more productive direction, such as abolishing the police. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you. I feel like sometimes we're spinning the wheels. And so the reason I keep going is because I ask, like, what has this group done? And there is a trans uh, youth trans activist who's attending who's been attending since the very beginning. And so when I first asked, they said, you know, we actually gave them information and um, insight into how they changed their now they have trans aware intake policy at the jail, I guess, influenced by the ASC. And they say a couple of Portland police officers, when I asked them about this, Um, They said that their model is the most like trans friendly in the country and they've been actually trying to teach it to other departments. Although our activists in August were not jailed in that way. Really? Okay, good. Well, I'm glad you can come on here and say that. So, yeah, no, there there is like I want to know because I do spend, yeah, 90 minutes once a month with all these people. And I can say that I have seen the impacts like the look on the face of a district attorney woman who works to prevent sex crimes and I said do you know what Faust and Sesta is and she did not and so when I told her about it she was like oh my god I'm I I have to look into this more I have to tell people about this so it it I see a return in some way could my time be funneled in more productive ways yeah absolutely because there aren't enough high-ranking cops that come to these meetings to where I feel like they're actually hearing us in a serious way sometimes i feel like it's a little lip service that's exactly what i was just gonna ask is mm-hmm. if it feels performative like this is it their way feels- of keeping you quiet and keeping you docile it feels slightly performative it absolutely does so i want to put the pressure on um the asc is creating a web presence that was the other problem i'm the youngest person there and i was like you boomers like it's cool that you've been doing this for 20 years but you don't have any web presence like all of the meeting minutes are publicly available, but you have to email for them. And like, no, who the fuck knows how to do that? So, you know, it's 2019. Let's like put some shit on the Internet. Um, hopefully we can be more visible. And that's why I brought that up, because I do want to be transparent about my participation in that and the fact that that group exists. And let's see, like, where we go from here. I think that what you just said hits the nail on the head is so much of this stuff is not transparent. Even all of these, quote, citizen review boards or whatever, like, kind mm-hmm. of citizen feedback, like, iterations that they've had, a lot of different ones over the years with the city, um, they all lack transparency. The accountability with the internal police review is also, like, really, really terrible it is a snake eating its own tail Mm -hmm. um like we don't have the time to get into how fucked that system is but there is literally no oversight or accountability for our police department Mm -hmm. um and so a lot of these things do feel 
performative and also the lack of transparency only contributes to that. Mm -hmm. Um, The one thing that's a really good thing that's happening recently is that they are um, there was recently a legal case that is going to cause um, them not to be able to charge as much for FOIA requests. So one of the ways that the police and the city and the state have been dodging releasing information is by having these exorbitant fees for um, any kind of like FOIA for is the Freedom of Information Act. It's for any kind of requesting of public documents or documents that are supposed to be public. Do you know how much those regularly cost? Oh, it depends on how much you're asking for and how um, like wide or narrow your search is. But if you do what they consider too wide of a search, they will tell you it's not even feasible. Um, so then they make you narrow the search and then they will charge you like by the hour of how much it costs a person to do it. And then they charge you by the page and then they charge you all of these other fees. And one of the things that came out during this case recently was that... Um, they were paying somebody who has a really high salary to do it instead of like having somebody who has a lower yeah. salary do it. So Just they were doing things like more. that to inflate the charge as a deterrent. Yeah, um, and then that. on top of the fact that they charge like sometimes hundreds and thousands of dollars for these requests, mm-hmm. they were also then they will drag their heels and take forever and they will deny it multiple times so that you have to put in the effort to appeal it. So there's a lot of different way barriers they throw up to try to keep us from accessing that information. So it, it says here... On Katu.com, according to the Willamette Week, the records request for the messages between a Portland police lieutenant and Joey Gibson, the records request itself to access that cost $131 um, for someone in the public to find that out. Um, And the city of Portland collected $767,659 in fees in 2018. Um, wow. Or no, it says here, in addition to select group of cities, counties, and school districts, more than 1.2 million, um, city of Portland itself collected 767,000 of that. Yeah. So that's like a that's lot. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, there's all kinds of, well, here's another, this brings up something else. Another reason why I want to be a part of any of this stuff is because it's kind of interesting to witness the cops interact with each other. But um, what I was going to say is I had someone reach out to me recently who listens to the show and they're like, I know you go to these meetings and I'm kind of worried about someone I know who says that they are in the process of applying. This person had like a really violent domestic abuse and like gun owning history. And we found a bunch of weird 4chan like white nationalist shit on their computer. (laughs) And I was like, give me their name. So I'm in the process of contacting people through the meeting where I'm like, hey, I met the guy who does... um, not admissions. What's it called? Recruitment. I met the fucking guy who does recruitment and he sat in one of those meetings several months ago and they're like, look, we have a cop shortage. We're going to have another huge cop shortage coming up. We need to Good. quit your jobs. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, we don't know how to have more people apply. And uh, so what did they do? Now they lowered the requirements where you don't need an associates anymore. You can just have a GED. Also, beards and visible tattoos are allowed. So I'm like, cool. Bring all the fucking Proud Boys out. Like, what are the cops going to look like? I mean, they already do. We have Mark Kruger, who is still on the police force, despite the fact that he has literally made commemorative plaques for dead Nazis and put them in the parks. Yes. Mark Kruger. Yes. Yes. I saw some literature posted on a street sign about him a couple years ago, and I didn't mm-hmm. know if that was still a thing. Wow. Oh, yeah. He actually and got he's an still award there. like a year ago. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Okay, so we have a lot of systemic problems, and for everybody who doesn't listen in Portland, like now you kind of get an idea when we're like, oh, the cops are racist. What are you talking about? Well, stuff like this. 
We um, also have one that was found to have posted in a bunch of like racist, white supremacist social media groups. And when it was brought to the attention of the PPB, their excuse was that it happened before he was an employee, oof. Um, which is maybe the post that were uncovered what happened before he was an employee, but I have a hard time believing they stopped the minute he got hired. Second right. of all, what kind of fucking background check are you running if you can't even find their social media posts? Right. Right. Oh my Lord. Um, okay. So to end on a better note, do you have any other suggested resources or groups, yes. organizations to join or follow? Sound off. <laughs> well, we are actually, we just had a Twitter poll, so it's actually still active. We um, want we are growing and um, our capacity is growing. So we need more people. And so we were trying to kind of crowdsource and um, find out from folks that follow us what that looks like and what they would want. So we had a poll going on, like whether people want a newsletter or whether they would want text blasts or how they want to engage with us in terms of if they want to volunteer. Um, So that is one thing that we are in the process of kind of figuring out as our way to get people engaged with our organization. But there's also a lot of other um, like, great organizations in Portland that you can get involved with. And uh, Rose City Antifa are amazing, amazing people, and they deserve all the shout outs and all the love. Mm-hmm. Um, the they, do they do incredible, incredible research. Those are some amazing nerds, and we love them so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Jobs with Justice is also an incredible organization. They do a lot of encouraging people to go out to support causes that aren't your main cause. They have this pledge that they ask people to do, which is really incredible. What and are they, they called for? Jobs for Justice? Jobs with Justice. Jobs so they post justice. a calendar of a bunch of different events. They support us a ton and we try to support them back. Mm-hmm. Um, the Burgerville Workers Union does, is doing amazing work around workers' rights. Not they Burgerville are, itself, but the Burgerville Workers, the workers Union. Union. Yeah, yeah, Burgerville yes. is Boycott sketchy. Burgerville. Boycott Burgerville, but show up to the pickets. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and also weirdly enough, did you hear about Joey Gibson and Patriot Prayer? They yes. went to a Burgerville um, like picket line, and one of the things they were heard shouting at the people who were asking for a living wage—they were just asking for like fifteen dollars an hour—was get a real job. They're doing what? They have jobs. They want real jobs. They just want to be paid for them. He's also such a grifter. This is like, I mean, a lot of them are grifters, but he is also um, attempting to sue Burgerville Workers Union. Um, or at least sent a cease and desist because he said that they called him a white supremacist. And so, like, seriously, you don't have anything better to do with your time than go after a fast food workers union. Also, it's pretty ironic to have somebody yelling, get a real job who doesn't have a job. Exactly. (laughs) Like, you first, dude. Yeah. That's the ironic thing about so many of them is um, they are constantly saying that we have no jobs and that we're pedophiles, but then you actually look at them and it feels like a lot of projection yeah Yeah. it sure does oh my goodness um anyone else that comes to mind before we go but those are great resources um i mean there's i mean there's our coalition is amazing and there's so many groups in it um that i think the biggest thing is it doesn't matter what group you get involved with just get involved do something find the thing that really like maybe you're passionate about environmental justice or maybe you're passionate about anti-racist justice whatever it is that grinds your coffee find that thing and do it i love that that grinds your coffee um effie aya john thank you so much thank you so much um you two were wonderful and one more time we can find you can people can email you info at popmobpdx.com. We also Correct. have individual email addresses. So Effie at popmobpdx.com and I at popmobpdx.com. Awesome. Thank cool. you so much. Until next time. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Strange Bedfellows Podcast. 
To find behind-the-scenes, photos, bonus clips, and journals from your guests and hosts, type www.patreon, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash strange bedfellows and join for only one dollar. Find us online at strangebedfellowspdx.com and Instagram at strangebedfellowspdx. You can find me, L. Stanger, on stripperwriter.com and Instagram as L. Stanger. Write your hate mail or sex and relationship questions to pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com and find me, John, on Instagram at metric.cafe. Please rate and review our show on your favorite listening app. Thanks for supporting sex education and freedom of expression.